a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I don't know that I necessarily want the people to remember my sermon for uh, a week as much as I want them to uh, receive that Word of God right there. If this is a, uh, a download of information, it's important that you retain that information. Yeah. But if this is being addressed by a, a burning bush, I know that a burning bush talked to me. <laughs> and I said to the guy, uh, look, at when the Bible talks about vision, it's, it's talking about the death of Jesus. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about confessing the creed. And his answer to me was, yeah, uh, I'm not using vision in the biblical sense, but rather in the business sense. <laughs> okay, then. All right. I, by the way, had no knowledge of that encounter when I posed the hypothetical. <laughs> Your free church consultants, this is Table Talk Radio. You there? You ready? Let's do this. Can't you hear me? Unfortunately, I can't. Do you, uh, hey, uh, you know how I'm going to be the DJ at your wedding a couple days here? Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to, to let you know that, that uh, <laughs> how seriously I take this responsibility. So I'm thinking about, uh, you know, everybody has DJs at the wedding. So I busted out the old guitar. I'm polishing up my skills. And I thought I'd just be my own cover band. How's that sound to you? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a bad idea. Look, um, I'm not going to charge you any more. Don't worry. I'm not going to... Same cost. Well, you can't charge us any less. Oh, same cost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, was, yeah. I was thinking that you're going to have to start uh, figuring out what music is cool before you DJ our wedding. I don't want you to be... Hey, take it easy. Uh, what's, if what, I like it, it's cool. What's on your playlist right now? What, what do you have? Uh, I figured out this other song. I I I've got this song that I really like called "Dance with Me" by the Sweet Remains. Oh yeah. So I'm thinking about just putting that on on a loop for three or four times. It'll hmm. be awesome. All right. I, yeah. I yesterday you told me your, the theme song for the wedding reception is going to be um, uh, what's that called? Uh, to fly like a white guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that what it was? You're going to play that when you see my dancing skills. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is the only problem with me DJing the wedding is I don't get to do my dance moves, which are awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. So what else is going on today? Want to do a show? Yeah. Okay. So this is the lineup for today's show. We have um, theological buzzwords. We have email. And then we're going to play two new games here on Table Talk Radio. Uh, the first being, oh, yeah. uh, what's the comfort? And the second game is name the Sadies. I thought the thing was what's the lack of comfort. Where's the Did comfort? I get it wrong. Oh, you'll see. Where's the comfort? You'll okay. see. Where's you'll the see. comfort? Got that. And then name that Sadies. And in the meantime, I've got a buzzword for you, which is higher critical method. Ooh, got okay, it. Okay, got it. The higher critical method is opposed to the lower critical method, which I don't know what it is. But the higher critical method originates in Germany, a bunch of kind of pagan Bible scholars. And they said, you know, uh, we see in all these different small variations in the scriptures 
that this Bible was obviously written by man. And so we're going to go to work trying to figure out which parts were God's words and which parts were man's words. So they invented the higher critical method. And that is a true history. Hmm. Okay. Um, is that all? Is that all you got? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Okay. So, by the way, the higher critical method, their big thing is that they say the... Um, oh, telephone call. wonder who this is. They say that the Bible... Um, uh, uh, contains errors, so it's God's Word and man's Word mixed together, and that the Holy Spirit s- continues to speak through culture, so we can use our reason and culture to bring a critique to the Scripture. Are and, you saying that, my friends, that's, it's dangerous. Are you saying that that's the higher critical method? Uh, well, it's a... It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's the uh, alongside the higher critical method. Uh, the higher critical method presents itself to us as scientific uh but this is the result so every liberal church every mainline liberal church uh holds to the higher critical method and what the result is well they get to believe whatever they want never mind what the bible says so that I'm, is the practical result i'm getting my uh theological buzzword for you today um from a website because i was getting tired of just going to tabletalkradio.org it used to be theopedia yeah. now it was then it was the tabletalkradio.org and then I found this uh, website, uh, otgateway.com, uh, which is one of those websites that looks like someone made in someone's mother's basement. And uh, I found this article on there, and the little document's called uh, Biblical and Theological Terms for Incoming Seminarians. Um, this isn't the oh. most, um, what's the word, scholarly glossary here. Um for example, where was that one that was kind of funny? Um, oh yeah, you just don't like the fonts on this page. So, so the, the <laughs> here's here's the definition. Hey, this is an Australian website. This, this hey, is hey, a, hey, 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 hold on. You, you got to read this with an Australian accent. No, no, no. I refuse to do that because I don't want all, <laughs> both of our Australian listeners to to, to turn off. Um, but uh, here's the example of um, the definition. This isn't my buzzword. I just want to give you an example of the kind of uh, pedigree we're dealing with here. Uh, the, the word is, uh, well, it's a verb, to deconstruct, and the definition, basically to point out weaknesses and doubts in the understanding of meaning of something. <laughs> Whenever oh. a definition starts out with basically, bas- basically you, you know you're, yeah. Anyway, nonetheless, uh, let's see. My, bro- my brother Philip always used to say that. Basically, I don't know who he was copying. Basically, now I'm gonna say it the whole show. I'm gonna make basically is gonna basically be my buzzword. <laughs> you remember how I like to fixate on things like like uh, Nacho Libre, etc. Uh, now I am officially fixated on the word bicycle. I see that. Okay, here's uh, the your word, and we'll we'll have to see how their definition works, and then we'll we'll go. But uh, legalism is the word, and it says focusing on the letter of the law and being consumed with the goal of getting credit for keeping it, especially more perfectly than other people do. In legalism, the focus is on the strict observance of the law rather than any purpose or principle behind it, legalism makes the keeping of the law more important than the needs of people. 
uh, <laughs> legalistic relationship is uh, strictly on performance or works. Now, I think that's a fair definition, except that it puts as the alternative a different kind of legalism, caring for the needs of people. <laughs> <laughs> but That's right. nonetheless, this is the style, by the way, for evangelicalism these days. Is you just take one legalism and contrast it with another legalism. I was reading this book, and it was supposed to be this expose on grace, and it was just it could have been titled "Changing the Old Legalism for the New." I mean, it's it's horrible. The, it, uh, it's it's like uh, the distinction between law and law. Is this kind of what we talked about before no as, um, you know, how you have uh, Jesus, uh, Moses with the Jesus mask on, or is it vice versa? Yeah, that's right, or whatever. Moses with a smile, Moses with a clown nose, <laughs> Moses with long hair and sandals. Wait a minute. It's probably what he actually wore. Never mind. Forget that. <laughs> the hipster Moses with a beard. Disregard. Wait a minute. <laughs> All right, we have time for probably one okay. email. Basically, I think that's right. Okay, I got one right here. Uh, hello, hosts of Mediocrity. In show 334, while talking about the end times, you brought up the fact that Satan is already bound by the work of Christ on the cross. Did we read this email before? You also brought up the point that it may seem like Satan is loose in the world, but he is indeed bound. My question, then, is if he is indeed bound, how much temptation and other attacks on Christianity should we ascribe to him? Luther saw him, the devil, as a present danger and ascribed much of his temptation directly to the devil. But if he is bound, wouldn't it be false to ascribe to him that much power or activity, if any at all? The idea of how much can we actually ascribe to Satan has been on my mind for a while now, and while I first heard you mention I thought you would settle the dispute in my mind. Alas, it was not the case. So I was wondering if you could go on a little more depth on the subject. Thanks from your brother in Christ, Gideon. Hmm. Wow, Gideon. The judge, the guy that writes all the Bibles. Uh, <laughs> That's good really question, confusing. Gideon. You want to? Uh, you want to? Well, I wonder. I've always wondered about this analogy, uh, he, and you tell me if it works or not. Um, but I've I've wondered if we can't compare right. the understanding of the devil being bound in the same way that we understand um, uh, the fact that we're sinners, and that is to say that uh, we are sinners. This is true. Uh, and yet, um, uh, in glory, there'll be no such thing of of our sin. It'll it's all forgiven, and we. Uh, so here, here and now, we are both at the same time uh, sinners and justified. But uh, in glory, uh, we'll be no longer uh, be bothered with our sin. And I wonder if it isn't true that we can say just as we say. I am justified, and my sin no longer plagues me, yet I will continue to sin. In the same way, the devil is bound, but yet uh, uh, he also continues to attack. Is that helpful or Yes, sense? No, I think not only can we say that, but exactly that. So insofar as I am justified, the devil is bound, and insofar as I am a sinner, the devil is loose. So they are the same thing. The forgiveness of sins is the binding of the devil, and my flesh is his freedom. All right, maybe more clarity after this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
If you're not easily embarrassed, tell your friends about Table Talk Radio. Hey, I think we could cha-cha to that at your wedding. <laughs> That's a good cha-cha song. I was thinking about making the your wedding reception a Latin dance theme. What do you think about that idea? <laughs> All right, everyone, it's time for the rumba. <laughs> <laughs> that would that'd be appropriate because um, my beloved is from Mexico. Oh, well, there you go. Just kidding. <laughs> Are you allowed to call her that? <laughs> what do you mean am I allowed to call her that? Your beloved. That sounds more like a thing a husband would call his wife. <laughs> well, Not like an engaged man would call his we're, we're engaged betrothed. woman. We're betrothed, you know. Well, you could call her your betrothed. <laughs> I'd be more comfortable with that. My beloved. It just brings too many oh Song goodness. of Solomon references to mind. My beloved has a vineyard. You start calling her like the, neck the of good, ivory the... or whatever. <laughs> cheeks of apples. My apple cheeks has a vineyard. Take it easy over there. Good thing this wedding's coming soon. That's all I have to say. Oh, yeah, this was a good decision to have you as a DJ. <laughs> Don't regret that at all. All right, everyone, time to submit your favorite Song of Solomon verses for me to read between the songs. You know, uh, uh, Mandy's confidence... The illustrated Song of Solomon is on your table for uh, for you to refer to. <laughs> Mandy's confidence has, has kind of gone on a roller coaster as having you as a DJ. At first, she's like, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. That's a great what? idea. And then it was like... Yeah, fun. He... Just stick with the word he fun. Is, <laughs> he is going to, like, do a good job, right? Like, it's like this kind of terror. Like... Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm a professional. Doesn't she know that I have a radio show? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, you do. I'm a professional. Oh, sheesh. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, but, so before the Speaking break, I don't know if you have radio any, show. any more you uh, want to say, but uh, before the break we we likened um uh well you you mentioned and i think this is a the way we ought to understand it that the the devil is bound in the preaching of the gospel and the forgiveness of sins uh but according to uh according to the law does he have uh does he have free reign in that sense this is the text that i think helps us with this the most so hebrews 2 has both of these kind of tensions rolling around with each other. So uh, first, Hebrews 2, 14 and following, which says, in then, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. That's talking about Jesus. So we got flesh and blood. Jesus has the same incarnation. That through death, he, Jesus, might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So, through his death, Jesus destroyed the devil. Plain enough. But then we, we roll back to Hebrews uh, 2, verse 8, which quotes uh, Psalm 8. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. That's talking about Jesus. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. So all things are under the subjection of Jesus' feet, including the devil, including sin and death, but we don't see it yet. So so we still taste death. We still, I suppose, die physically. That still happens, and yet death has been destroyed. And by faith, we don't die. We pass from death to life. 
And the same thing is true of the devil. So the devil is just as real as death. And, and, and like you were talking about earlier, the devil is just as real as your sin. So do you sin? Yes. But does it, um, does, is, it is it counted against you by God? The answer is no. So that dis, this distinction between saint and justified and sinner is particularly helpful uh, when considering how it is with the devil. Nice. You're welcome, listener. Thanks for emailing in. All right, let's go to this new game called Where's the Comfort? You're the welcome. idea. <laughs> normally you say thank you to the listener. Isn't that normally no. how you do it? You said it did you, such an exquisite job welcome. of answering the question. I was just I figured the listener would be so thankful, you know. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um oh. so the way that this new game works, Where's the Comfort is operating with the assumption, the assertion maybe that uh, all of false doctrine strikes at one's comfort and certainty. That's probably in the Book of Concord somewhere, isn't it? No. Cricket. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I suppose, no, I don't think that's actually the case. It's in there. The closest you would get would be something like this. Luther says, our opponents don't know how to bring any comfort from any doctrine. There it is. So the, assumpt- the, the thing that is that Luther would say is that Every doctrine would bring comfort. We ought to be able to derive comfort from every doctrine. And uh, and therefore... Yeah, the inverse would also be true, that all false doctrine would rob a person of comfort. Uh, And that's the task of this game. Theologically true. Well, do you think it's theologically true? Well, let's, we better see. If I can't figure out how your false doctrine steals away comfort, then I'm yeah. going to say that, that it's makes, probably not that true. That makes perfect sense. It couldn't be possible that you're just terrible at this game. Um, <laughs> no, of course. All right, I'm going to start with an easy one. So I'm going to give you a... Well, here, well, here's another Luther quote. Luther says, every false doctrine strikes at Christ. Mm. That's the Luther quote. Mm-hmm. And so that means that every false doctrine, in one way or another, is... Uh, is standing in the way of Jesus doing what he wants to do, namely save us from our sins. Okay, so, so that that's the goal. I, I suppose I'll concede the premise. All right. So that means you have to come up with a good answer to this game, or else you're without excuse. So the way this works is I will How many tell points is you... It worth? I'll give you 200 points per round. Um, I will oh give you a false doctrine, a false teaching, and uh, you have to describe how this false teaching robs a person of comfort in the gospel and the comfort of Christ. Now, I'll start with an easy one just, right. to, just to demonstrate how the, how the game works. Okay, uh, hopefully it's easy. Uh, don't, don't set up the expectations like that. One must make a decision for Jesus in order to be saved, must ask Jesus into his heart. Okay, that's an easy one. Um, so that's the theology of decisionism. At least that's the name we've given to it. And uh, the idea of this is that my will is involved in conversion, and that uh, conver- the reason that I'm saved and somebody else is not saved is because I at least made the decision for Jesus. Uh, and you know where this is most commonly found? Remember how we had the emailer from uh, named Gideon? Well, that same guy, Gideon, puts in the back of all of his Bibles the time <laughs> when you made guy. a decision for Christ. <laughs> Uh, Gideon? How many Gideons in the world do you think there are? <laughs> well, there's at least so anyway, three. <laughs> three? There's the... The guy bigger. that makes the Bibles and the guy who is the Old Testament judge. And That's our two. email listener. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, 
you I I follow Occam's razor, which is to follow the simplest path. <laughs> now, uh, as Gideon does, and I'm mad at our listener Gideon for doing this, for putting this page at the back of the Bible where people recount when they make a decision for Christ. Now, you hear this in all the revivalistic churches, the same thing. You go to the end of the service, and you get a Bible study on how to be a better husband or whatever, and then it says, now it's time for the burning in the bosom and the decision for Christ, and you got to make the altar call and all that stuff. Now, the way that this steals comfort is because the, the, the mm, salvation now becomes partially the work of God and partially my own work. So I get some of the glory, but with the degree that I have the glory, uh, the same degree I lose the comfort. Because if I'm the one who made the decision, now I'm always questioning my own sincerity, uh, the completeness of my decision, etc. And from then on, every altar call is an indictment. Did I truly give my life to Christ? Did I truly submit to Him? Uh, now this especially steals comfort because it is giving to the will uh, credit that the wheel does not have. So uh, no one is good, no one seeks after God, etc. That's the condemnation that the Bible gives of our will. But to give the will more glory than it uh, can takes away comfort uh, because it steals glory from Christ, etc. All right. I will give you 200 points. Yeah, I think you got, thank you for how Ooh. this game works. Good job. Okay. Except I can't find a pen okay. so you don't get points. I wrote it down, don't worry. Oh, you got I'm it. Okay. the points. All I right. did it, uh, I did it with hashtag, you know, so one, two, three, four, Hash one two three four. I counted by ones, but okay. at the end it might be complicated to add them all up. <laughs> all right, I have another one for you. Um, all right, I'm ready. Obviously, how about <laughs> um, uh, licensed lay deacons in word and sacrament ministry? Uh, okay, so a li- now tell me again what a licensed lay deacon is. That's a lay person. Oh, where yeah, the this is something. And says, yeah, you can act like a pastor. Yeah, this is something in regular use in the Northwest District um, that says, "Hey, you don't want to be a pastor? That's okay. You can um, be certified to be a lay licensed lay deacon and do all the things a pastor does, even though you're not a pastor." Um. Hmm. Uh. So he can uh, baptize. Yep. And he can give out the Lord's body and blood. Uh, yep. Not only and give, he can stand and preach. Yep. Not only give out what the Lord's body when, and blood, but uh, uh, you know, uh, consecrate con- it. Yeah, consecrate. So, yeah. what uh, what does the license lay deacon say when it's time for the absolution? As a called and ordained servant of the word. Uh, so he says, as a consecrated and appointed servant of the word, or something like that. Yeah, as as uh, where where normally we would say in the stead by the command of Christ, they say in the stead by the command of my district president. <laughs> well, that brings comfort to me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure if I I'm not sure if Jesus should forgive me, but as long as the district president does, I'm feeling good about things. I don't know how this takes comfort at all from I, the Lord Jesus. <laughs> I'm having. I'm having trouble sorting it out. (laughs) Well, you can take this break to try and figure it out because we need to stop and uh, pay some bills. But we'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, playing the game Where's the Comfort? More of that right after this. Don't believe me, just watch. Just 
it's really classy up here. Table Talk Radio will be right back. Welcome back. Uh, okay, so I was going to tell you a story. Um, so one time oh, I, yeah. I ran into this couple from another Lutheran church, long, you know, different place. And uh, they had an SMP pastor, which is a little bit different than the licensed lay deacon thing, but it still has some of the same problems. And in the, in the SMP program, a guy is studying um, for two years, and then two years in, he gets ordained, and then he has to finish his schoolwork for two more years. After, on, and it's all online, you know. And uh, and she said, uh, oh, well, uh, he wasn't allowed to consecrate the sacrament because he hadn't been there two years, but he got he went to the district and got a special permission from the district president. And I just kind of hmm. sat there being all puzzled, like, d- who authorizes us to be to, to consecrate the sacrament? Is it Jesus or the Pope? Because <laughs> because if we, if we say it's a district president that can do it, then we're just like Rome that says the uh, the Pope sits ex cathedra and can override Jesus whenever he wants. Oh boy, I didn't know I was dealing with such a Fort Wayne grant. <laughs> Okay, so, but you only have to worry about the licensed lay deacon. So how does how does a licensed lay deacon serving in word and sacrament ministry, apart from call and ordination, uh, take away comfort from the sinner? Okay, so here this is a this is a great question because uh, one of the one of the things we understand about ordination is that um, really a, a vocation authorizes what would otherwise be sinful. Let me explain. Uh, if I uh, well, marriage is the easiest. So let's just take marriage since it's on everybody's mind. Is it? Uh, <laughs> the thi- there's uh, certain things that are sinful the the morning of your wedding that are good works the evening of your wedding. <laughs> now, let's just say it that way. Now, the vocation of being husband and wife therefore turns what would normally be a sin into a good work, and that is true in almost every area of life. So uh, to, uh, for example, shoot a guy is a sin, normally, unless you have the vocation of being a soldier, and then all of a sudden shooting guys up becomes a good work. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you shoot a guy as a soldier, you're doing a good work. I mean, there's a lot of guys you could shoot and sin, but the idea of shooting a guy and killing him becomes a good work when you become a soldier. Or take a doctor. I mean, to take a knife to someone and start taking out body parts or exposing their nakedness and doing all sorts of ungodly things to them. This it becomes a good work when you become a doctor. Now, the same thing is true for the vocation of pastor. To stand in the Lord's stead and to preach with authority to the church is a sin unless you have the vocation of being a pastor. I mean, this is just why we say, for example, that a person should not preach or teach or administer the sacraments unless they've been rightly called. Because uh, that call, setting a man into the office by the public approval of the church after he's learned the doctrine and been approved on it, uh, sets him apart for that work. Now, this is uh, every Christian should learn the Lord's word and should speak the Lord's word, especially, you know, parents have the vocation of speaking the Lord's word to their children and so forth. But to exercise the office of authority in the church, that's the office of pastor, is something that needs to be established by vocation. And that vocation is almost always set apart by an oath. So when someone enters into these to these uh, 
offices where sin becomes a good work, they almost always will take an oath. You take an oath on your wedding day. You take an oath when you join the army. You take an oath when you become a practicing doctor. And you stand there before the Lord's church and take an oath when you become a pastor. Uh, and this gives comfort to the people who are, who are there under your authority that, uh, that this is a good and godly thing. Ah, well said. All right, I got one more for yeah. you before we move on. Okay. Hmm. 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 Uh, hmm. Someone says, Pastor, I know a good way we can get a lot of people in church. Why don't we strike up a praise band? Go. <laughs> the pra- I thought you were going to ask me about women pastors. I was all ready for that. I figured that, now, that was uh, sort of the same thing as the last one. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, the praise band. The praise band. Now, okay. There's two ways to get to the praise band. Okay. There's two routes. There's two paths. Just like there's two ways to get to the top of Megiddo. You can take the path, snake path, or you can ride the the, the cable car. Uh, there are two path. There's two ways to get to the praise band, and one For is all the of you Christian who are on his trip route. to know that reference there. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to talk about Israel references all the rest of my whole life. All you people who didn't come because Evan kept talking about security problems. Ah, <laughs> uh, regret. Yeah, I'm sure I was a big detractor. Yeah, everyone's like, I'm going to go, except for Evan keeps talking about concealed carry. And <laughs> Anywho. Go ahead. Uh, there's two ways to get to the praise band. One is the uh, Christian freedom route, and the other is the evangelism route. And the one you just articulated to me was the evangelism route. So let me explain the Christian freedom one. And it goes something like this. There's laws about how to worship in the Old Testament, but there's no such laws in the New Testament. We're free to worship however we want, so let's strike up the praise band. You See? are not convincing other way, me on that. Sorry. Well, so the other, argu- the, the other argument is uh, the one that you said, hey, we should get more people in the church. Let's have a praise band. And the assumption behind that is that we need to change the way we do things in order to attract more people and to save more people. I know, but hold on. My now, my point is that the uh, the excuse that, look, we have a Christian freedom to do have praise bands, it's just an excuse to really be back to the other one of evangelism. I don't think anybody uh, is is getting the praise band simply because they want freedom of worship they're doing it really because they think it's going to bring people in the door. And if I have to use the excuse of freedom of worship, then so be it. Well, all right. I'll concede the point because I happened to be arguing with a pastor about this very thing one time. And his argument for the praise band was for freedom. And I said, are you sure it's not evangelism? No, it's freedom. It's for freedom. <laughs> Just we're free in the gospel. Free, 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 free. Until the very end, he says, and really we have to do this. Because if we don't, nobody will come to church. Oh, and it was too late. I wanted to say, I, I've been saying that that's why you're arguing this the whole time, and you've been denying it. All right. Anywho. So the uh, what is the other thing we're talking about? Uh, comfort. Uh, oh, yeah. The argue, the, why does this take away comfort? So the, way, the, uh, the, so the theological assumption behind, hey, we better get a praise band, is if we don't get a praise band, then uh, our church will die. Uh, people will stop coming, and people will go to hell. And that is simply a denial of the ascension of Jesus, that Jesus sits on the throne and rules 
in the church, and uh, and he will call to himself all those who are being saved. I mean, that is the doctrine of uh, evangelism. The word is effective, and Jesus has given us the word and nothing else. And to take that confidence that Jesus is, in fact, the Lord of the church is uh, theft, comfort theft. <laughs> I like it. That could be the name of this game, too, comfort theft. Anyway. Comfort theft. That's too catchy. All right. We need to go on to the next basically. game, which Oh, is yeah, called... I forgot to say the word basically all the time. Name the Sadies. Basically, you get to describe how this game. game works. Okay. The Sadies, by the way, Sadies is a Latin word that basically means seat. True. See what I did there? Seat. Sadies doctrinae, or doctrina, I wonder what that means, means the seat of doctrine. Now, this is an old teaching of the church that, I should have made that my buzzword. What is my buzzword? Legalism? Hmm. Uh, I just used the buzzword. The uh, the seed of doctrine idea is that Scripture teaches all of, all over the place. It teaches doctrine, but there are certain places where the doctrine is taught clearly. Um, central places where the doctrine is asserted, and those places are called the Sadies Doctrinae. Now, the way I think this game is going to work is wait, 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 we wait. have a. Is there a difference between Sadies Doctrinae and proof texting? No, same thing. Okay, go on. Uh, now, I mean, we proof texting. The problem with proof texting is you take the text out of context to make it say something that is it doesn't say. Sadie's doctrinae is reading the text as it should be read in the context, teaching a certain thing. So, so for example, we say that uh, I suppose, but the idea, the uh, Sadie's doctrinae is a text that proves the doctrine. So in that way, it is a proof text. Gotcha. So the Sadie's doctrinae for the Lord's Supper is the words of institution, or the Sadie's doctrinae for baptism is Matthew twenty-eight and Mark sixteen and Romans four, Romans six four, or the Sadie's doctrinae for um, oh, what the resurrection would be First Corinthians fifteen. In other words, it's the chief thing that that text is dealing with. So when we want to learn about the doctrines, we go to those texts. See? Got it. Okay, now, the way that this game works, I think, uh, is that we ha- we'll take our catechisms, our synodical catechisms, which have not only the, ca- the, the six chief parts and Luther's explanation, but then they go into different questions about doctrine, like the Trinity or the attributes of God or uh, the two st- uh, st- stages of Christ, you know, his humiliation and exaltation, or anything else, the ghosts and demons and everything. And they'll have a, a, a question and then an answer, and then they'll have a number of Sadie's Doctrinae listed afterwards. Now, the way that this game will work is that you and I will take turns giving each other questions and answers, and then we can try to guess what the Sadie's are yeah, for points. That's how it'll work, see? Awesome. I think this is a game you can play at home with your children. I think so. Now, would the child, be, go home. Would the child be giving the parent the questions and then... No, not going. unless the parent wants to be embarrassed, because we'll kind of see how this is going to go <laughs> Yeah, just we'll see how embarrassed minutes. you are. We'll be right back. No Table Talk Radio. Shake, 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 shake,
You really are listening to Table Talk Radio. It is on. We are playing the game Name the Sadies, and uh, it's going to go back and forth here. So I'll let you go first, Pastor Wolf Mueller. Tell uh, me. Now, uh, I think, by the way, the way this should work is this. Okay, ready for some more rules? All your, you're such a legalist. <laughs> um, the, I think that the way it'll go is you will ask the question, give the answer, and then we'll tell the number of Sadies. That you have, okay? And then we'll do family feud style. So you can guess, and you get three strikes. So you can guess until you get it wrong three times. You can stop at any time. So if you get three wrong, you lose all your points. Oh, but for every back. one that you get right, you get uh, 200 points. Okay. Okay. See? Too bad Too bad we don't have a third person doing the uh, asking, because then we could go for the steal, like on family feud. Yeah. Let's do yeah next time. Now <laughs> the other thing that I think we should do is uh, 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 you don't have to name the you could you could just describe the verse. So you don't have to necessarily name the text and the um, you know the, the the chapter and verse. But if you describe what the verse is saying, I think that'll also count. See see how that works. See how kind I am. You're very kind. Yeah thanks. All right, I'm ready. All right, give, give me it to me. Oh wait oh. All right. Uh, question is. <laughs> yeah, see, I go first. Finally, what also does the Holy Spirit do for you? <laughs> you have three options uh, here. <laughs> well, so, uh, so you got to read the answer, too. He also he raises oh, me and all the dead and gives eternal life uh, to me and all believers okay. in Christ. Finally, so. what, al- what also does the Holy Spirit do for you? The Holy Spirit, by the gospel, keeps me in the true faith. Okay. So now, now you got to tell me the number of Sadies. There are three Sadies. Okay, so now what I have to do, I'm explaining the game so I can think about the text at the same time. <laughs> i got to find those passages in the Bible that say that the Holy Spirit keeps me in the true faith. Um, hmm. All right. Hmm. This is tricky. This is a really good game. <laughs> but this is a little bit tricky. Um. He is. What is the, there's a verse that says he is able to save to the uttermost those who call upon him. Um, is that in there? One X. All right. Uh, what about the one in Philippians where it says, uh, "He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ." Survey says, "Ding." Hey, all right. What is that? That's Philippians, Philippians 1.6. You got it right. Uh, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hey, all right. There's a point. That's 200 points. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for another one and say um, uh, 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 Jesus' words that says uh, the Holy Spirit. This is from John uh, 14.56. John 14. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Survey says... Okay, I'm going to stop there. I just like doing I'm just stay thing, with my 200. Now, if you get three X's, points. do you lose your your points? Yeah, yeah. See, that's why I'm stopping. Mm, okay, Fair I'm enough. not confident. All right. All right. What are the other two? Uh, yeah, First Peter one five. You through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation. And First hmm. Thessalonians two thirteen. The word of God is at work in you who believe. Oh, nice. 
All right. Now, I have, I have a, uh, one more technicality question here. Yeah. In the cases yeah. where there's Bible narratives underneath, is that part of this scheme or no? Yeah, those also count. So what we should say is there are there are three Sadies and two Bible narratives. Ooh, man. Okay. Got it? Yep. This is a good game. Okay. Uh, here's my question for you. Who are human beings? Answer? Human beings are the most important visible creatures. God created Adam and Eve in his own image with authority over all the earth. And there are three proof texts. All right. There's probably going to be uh, Genesis one twenty six in there um, that says, uh, he made them male and female, he created them. Indeed. Bing, bing, bing. Yes. So there's two left. Two left. Um, probably the passage in Genesis chapter 2 that says uh, from Adam's side um, he created Eve or something to the effect of that of that manner. Oh, this is cr- well. I'm going to give it to you. Genesis two seven. The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. That was generous. That was. Generous. I'm giving that to you. It was generous. Okay. I mean, you said Genesis two, so uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. I-, I need you to read the answer just one more time, real quick. Human beings are the most important visible creatures. God created Adam and Eve in His own image with authority over all the earth. Oh. This third um, one's kind of tricky. Yeah, I bet this is um, a passage in Genesis. What are the chances of them all being in Genesis? Um, let's see. I'm, I'm just trying to think of a chapter one or two. Um, I I think it's going to be. Uh, well, I don't know if it's one or two, so I'll see if you give it to me still. But this is where he commands. Um, uh, Adam to have dominion over all the earth. So that, I'm thinking that'd be well, the authority. Yeah, I would give that to you, except for that's in fact the end of the first text. So Genesis oh, one twenty six to twenty eight, okay. and it says, "Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion, etc." So I'm looking for a passage that gives him authority. I don't know. I'm at a loss. I'm just going to quit where I am. All right. The third one is Mark ten six. Jesus says, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Huh. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that's, also, uh, that's also Matthew 19, so that's just Jesus quoting Genesis 1. So, there you go. <laughs> and that's how that goes. <laughs> huh. That's the game. Are we in the last segment already, or we got another we, segment to no, play? No, we're this? almost done. we only about four minutes. Oh. All right, well, give me another one. i got to get some more points. All right. You got How do you know that Jesus Christ is also true man? And uh, I'm just going to give you letter C on this. It says, uh-huh. um, because the scriptures speak of his human but sinless feelings and actions. Okay, human feelings. And then, okay, and then how many proof texts oh, yeah, sorry. do we have there? We You have four proof texts, and you have... Three narratives. Whoa, okay. Man, that's a lot of points available. Uh, okay, so uh, I bet you one of them is the, is the uh, text from John chapter 10 that says Jesus wept. <laughs> I'll give it to you, but it's actually John chapter 11. Uh, uh, yeah, that's 35. Yeah, so, but Jesus yeah, that's Lazarus chapter. John chapter 10 is uh, the healing of the blind man. John chapter 11 is the raising of Lazarus. Yep, very good. 
Okay, Jesus, what other feelings? Um, after the temptation of Jesus, it says he was hungry and th- he was hungry. So that would be like Matthew chapter 3, Jesus was hungry. Uh, Matthew 4, but very good. <laughs> so far, just, right. just add one. Good. <laughs> Take whatever you think plus uh, one. <laughs> that's right. I've been, we had a meeting last night, and every single time I said a date, I said June instead of July. It's just like the <laughs> month was gone. Okay. Uh, um, Jesus was sleeping on the boat, even through the, the waves. Um, I don't have the context, so I think that this is right. I'll give it to you. That's one of the narratives. It says Jesus slept... In Mark four thirty eight, that should be the account that you're talking about. Okay, uh, there's that little text in um, in Luke after Jesus is in the the temple where it says the boy Jesus is in the temple and it says he grew in grace and knowledge uh, and and in, uh, and in favor with God and man. Um, about what chapter was that? Uh, uh, chapter one or two. Right at the beginning, I don't know if the survey. How, how does the, how do the Family Food people know whether it counts or not? I'll give it to you because I'm so generous. Uh, because th- this simply says Jesus was born, Luke two. So you're kind of going more on the. Oh, no, uh, that's not it. Oh, oh, I was going for a different text. So one. Okay, now my, my my next guess is that Jesus was born. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Two. You are so predictable. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> That one is off the table, I'm afraid. Uh, let's see. Um, other feelings, human feelings of Jesus. Um, uh, Jesus was hungry. He slept. He uh, he learned. He was born. Uh, uh, he was sad. Uh, what about when Jesus comes down into Jerusalem and he sees Jerusalem and he weeps over Jerusalem? Uh, we were at the church there of the weeping of Jesus in Jerusalem, and that would be like Matthew twenty-three. You're at uh, two strikes. Uh, that's now. two X's. I'm going to stop there. All right. So the uh, right. the I got four though. There's two Sadies that you missed. John nineteen. Jesus said, "I am thirsty." This is him on the cross. And then you have Hebrews four. Since we have a great high oh, priest who has gone through one. the heavens, Jesus Christ, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Was in every way like us. That's right. Uh, and then also two more narratives that you missed. Yep. Uh, oh, sorry, one more narrative, because one of them I took away from you. Uh, so the only narrative you missed was just the fact that Jesus suffered and died, Matthew uh, 26, 27, basically the whole passion narrative. Oh, that's so. too obvious. <laughs> I'm he afraid that's going to be all the time we have. That I think I think we have found two new hey, like Table Talk game. radio games right there. Pretty good. Yeah, that's right. This all is right. like a rebirth of our show. <laughs> we should take weeks off of recording all the time. Yes. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> this is where you where put the a points joke. are like licensed lay deacons. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk of Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.